0: Hey, it's good to see you all. Happy Merry Christmas. Christmas. Well, someone back here, okay, whoever you are, there's a gift on its way. The rest of you, bah humbug. Let's try that again. Early Merry Christmas. Fantastic, fantastic. My name is Josh. I am one of the ministers here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, God bless you. I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. Merely seven days from... Christmas Day. Now, show of hands, who here is ready for Christmas? Can I see people who are ready? Okay, hands down. How many of you are still going, I could use a few extra weeks? Anyone in here? How many of you going, you know, it doesn't matter, I will not be ready. Hands up for any of you, it just doesn't. Steve, you and me, my buddy, yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter, right? Well, today we're going to dive into our fourth and final part in this series, Jesus behind everything. But before we do, I just want to invite you into a moment of worship. And you say, well, haven't we been doing that? And the answer is yes. But worship is more than just the the words we sing. You understand that, right? Worship is more than maybe even praying or reading Scripture. In fact, Scripture tells us that everything we do can be and ought to be an act of worship. So I'll tell you the way that you can worship this morning, and I'll do it this way. We're about to hit Christmas, and of course, this is that time of year that men, if you're like me, you begin that, that important um, dance with your wife. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about the verbal dance, and you know how it goes. It goes something like this. Sweetheart, what would you like for Christmas? And what does your wife almost always say? If she's like mine, she'll say, oh, I don't need anything. Now, here's the reality. Just try, gentlemen, one year, Taking her up on that and see how it goes for you. That's why I call it the dance, because you're like, yeah, you do, you want something, you need something. And, and what do you get someone? And often the things that your spouse wants, it may be a physical thing, but isn't it true that the physical thing has a meaning under it? It's not just about the dollars and cents that were spent. It's not just about the jewelry. It's not just about the, the item. It's about what it symbolizes, And so we often give gifts to those we love most as a symbol that they matter most. You say, well, how does this have anything to do with worship? Here's how it has everything to do with worship. On Sundays, we give to God our voices. We give to God our prayers. We give to God our thoughts. But we also have the privilege of giving to God some of the things that matter most to us to show that He matters most to us. And so each week we give financially. And I just want to invite you into this moment of worship. If you have not given or if you do not regularly give, this isn't a moment of guilt. This is a moment of invitation to be able to say to God with our hands what we wish we could give to Him with our hearts. And that's simply to say you are worth all, you're above all, you're important beyond anything else. So there's two ways that we're just going to give you to be able to give. First is you can give physically. If you want to do this, by the way, we encourage parents, do this with your kids. We have some giving envelopes in the seat back pockets in front of you during our gathering time. Feel free to uh, fill that out, put whatever gift you want in there. There are giving boxes in the back. I saw some kids doing it last week for the first time. It was awesome. And so that's a great way to show and practice with your kids and model what is so important. The other way is to give online. And we'll send you information on how to do that. All you have to do is text nine four zero zero zero. That number is right here. Information will come to your phone. You just click right there. It's safe. It's secure. And if you're like my family, we forget sometimes the most important things. And so we automate what's important so we don't forget it. And so I want to pray over us as we have an opportunity to be able to give to God. And then we'll dive into today's teaching. Father, we do give to you all that we have. Because all that we have is yours already. There's just some days I forget that I am yours and everything I have really is still yours. But you give Joshua and you give each of us the opportunity to give financially as a way of reminding and tuning our hearts to the reality that you own it all, but you're so good and so kind to loan us and lend to us your good gifts. And so now, for those who give, we pray a blessing over them, and we ask that you will take every gift, whether in our eyes small or great, and use it to do what only you can do. It is for your name and because we love you that we pray, dear Jesus. Amen. All right, grab your Bibles, and I want to invite you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61, you go, man, we're in Isaiah a lot. The answer is yes. This is just a taste, because I think in the next year or two, we need to just camp out in this magnificent book. We'll see if we have time to do that here sometime in the near future. But here's where I want to go. We are wrapping up this series on Jesus behind everything, looking at some of our famous and most familiar traditions And ultimately seeing Jesus who is behind all of them and under all things and standing above all things. And today, we're going to look at the tradition under every other tradition. In fact, without the tradition we're talking about today, there are no trees. There are no gifts. There are no lights. The gift or the tradition we're going to look at today is this tradition right here. It is the day we've all been waiting for, which is the celebration of Jesus' birth, which we celebrate on December 25th. We're going to talk about the history of that date, why we celebrate Jesus. Also, why should we or why shouldn't we? And here's what I want to do. There is more to this than we'll even have time to explore, but what I want to show you in just a few moments are two important, incredibly valuable thoughts or reasons why this is such an important tradition but not only an important tradition why this actually is important for the quality of your relationship with God. But before I can show you that we've got to do a little bit of digging. And so let's begin with a question we've asked each week and it's simply this, where in the world did this tradition of celebrating Jesus's birth on December 25th come from? Well, I'm going to show you my handy-dandy timeline. Are you guys ready? Let's just begin at the beginning. Most people agree that the tradition of celebrating Jesus on December 25th began with the Romans. In late December, the Romans would celebrate the festival of Saturnalia. This was to celebrate Saturn, the Roman god of agriculture. And they celebrated with things like food with lighting logs, and with giving small gifts. By the way, does that sound at all similar to some of our traditions at Christmas? So it begins with the Romans. However, something incredible happens. A man by the name of Jesus comes on the scene, and quickly we learn he is more than just a man. He teaches things that no man would teach. He lives in a way that no man would live. He dies for people that no one else would die for. And then, on the third day, he rose from the grave, and this news spread. So much so that less than three centuries later, in the year 312, Christianity becomes the official religion of the Roman Empire. The empire that crucified Christ now celebrates him as God. It's an incredible thing, the power of Jesus Christ. And what happens is as people are beginning to come to faith, some in leadership in Rome who may not have really believed in Jesus themselves, but were wanting to follow this plan for Christianity to be the dominant religion, they began to say it's difficult for some to celebrate Jesus and give up old traditions. And so they had this bright idea, what if we begin celebrating Jesus's birth during this festival where everyone loves to get together and do things? So they said, it's no longer about Saturn, it's now about Jesus Christ and about his birth. So Christians and people begin to celebrate Jesus in place of Saturn. And specifically on December 25th. Now, as you can imagine, this begins to spread over the next number of centuries. Many people begin to celebrate Jesus' birth in December on the 25th. But some people, I know this will be a shocker, some people did not like that idea. In fact, there was one group of people called the Puritans, specifically the Puritans in New England. They didn't like this. In fact, they forbade anyone from celebrating Jesus' birth in December. Why? Why? They said you can't have trees, you can't do candles, you can't do presents because it is linked to some pagan roots and the Pope or Catholicism. And they were against Catholicism. And so they forbade it. In fact, if you were found celebrating Jesus' birth any time during December, they would reprimand you. They would fuss at you and they might even put you in the stocks. However, some years pass. And now in the 1680s, something incredible happens. Christmas is legalized in America. It's now okay to celebrate Jesus' birth in December. Fast forward a little bit further, and in 1870, Christmas Day is formally recognized as a national holiday in America. And so there you have a brief overview of how we started to where we are today. Now the big question many people want to know is simply this. Okay, Diggs, That's the history, but when was Jesus born? After all, that's the reason so many of us get up in arms about this topic. We don't know when he was born, so how can we celebrate his birth? And so let me just sort of walk you through this. Actually, before I do that, let's do something else. How many of you, we're going to do a little poll this morning, because I've wondered this, partially because I still have some childhood wounds. I'm still bitter about a few things. I just want to know if anyone else here is bitter with me. So we'll just be bitter together. Here's the poll. Do you open a gift on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day? Now, let me just tell you why I'm bitter. We as kids wanted to open gifts as early as possible, but my parents were firmly in the Christmas Day only category. So just out of curiosity, how many of you were blessed with parents who loved you, who were gracious to you and wanted good things for you, and so they let you open at least one gift on Christmas Eve? Any of you, oh, God bless you and I hate you all at once. How many of you had parents like mine who wanted to stamp out the joy in your soul and only let you celebrate on Christmas Day with gift opening? Anyone? We will have a meeting afterwards where we can cry with each other. So we have Christmas Eve. We have Christmas Day. By the way, you asked, well, Diggs, what are you doing for your kids? The answer? Christmas Day only. If I had to be miserable growing up, they have to be miserable growing up. That's just the way it is. So now the question is, this is where we came from. But when did Jesus, when was he born? That's really the big question, isn't it? Now, the scripture never tells us the exact year or day of Christ's birth, but there are some hints, and I want to give this to you so you have something to understand where we're coming from. So let's just look at some of the clues in scripture. In Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, we get our first clue. We're told that Jesus was born during the time of King Herod. Now, we know for a fact, it's a matter of historic record, that Herod the king died... In 4 B.C. Now, if Herod died, go to the next slide. If Herod died in 4 B.C., it means that Jesus could not have been born when most of us think he was born like at 0 or 1 A.D. So at least before or by 4 B.C. But wait, there's some more information. We're told not only was Herod king, but Herod... Did not want anyone else to be king. And so when he heard that there was this boy born to be king, he hatched a plan to kill all the little boys in the city of Bethlehem, two years old and under. Now, if he dies in 4 BC and he's going to kill little boys two years old and younger, then Christ could have been born perhaps in 6 BC. Are you following the math so far? Just give me a little nod if you're kind of following along. So now it's like, well, is it 4 B.C., 5 B.C., 6 B.C., 7? When when was it? Well, we have one more little piece of information. In Luke chapter 2, we're told that there was a census being taken place while a man named Quirinius was governor of Syria. We have record of a census taking place in Judea, that's where Bethlehem is, in the year 6 B.C., also during the reign of Quirinius. So, when was Jesus born? We don't know for sure, but it is likely that Jesus was born sometime between 6 and 5 B.C. Isn't that interesting? We just kind of got the math wrong with our calendars. Now then some people say, okay, Diggs, well, at least tell me Jesus was born in December, right? Come on, didn't they have snow falling? Didn't they hear Bing Crosby singing Christmas songs on the radio? Wasn't that how and when he was born? Well, again, I hate to burst your bubble, but all evidence points to a different date for his birth. Let me give you just a couple reasons. Some people will say Jesus was born in the spring because it must have been too cold in December for the sheep to be out. Now, I thought that for many years until I went to Israel and talked to some of the people who actually are shepherds right there in the area. And I said, is this true? They laughed at me. They said, Josh, through the translator. There is no way they would have brought their sheep in in December because even in Judea, the coolest it gets is in the mid-40s during December. And by the way, sheep have this wonderful insulation called wool. They're not cold. We're not cold. We stay out year-round. So when was it? Let me give you what some people believe was the date or season when Jesus was born. And the way we get this is actually from the history of John the Baptist's birth. Now, I don't have anything on screen, so follow along if you can, and we'll talk more if you have questions. But according to Scripture, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, he's a priest. He was assigned to do his priestly duties in the temple. Now, we know that he was of a particular group, and in the Old Testament, in First Chronicles, we're told when his group was assigned to do their priestly duties, and that is between middle of May and middle of June. It is during his assignment that the angel says, John, your wife will have a baby. Elizabeth, in her old age, is going to be a mama. So at some point, many believe, immediately after his assignment in late May to June, Elizabeth gets pregnant. We're told that when Elizabeth was six months pregnant, Mary is visited by an angel who tells Mary, you are going to have a child and Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So if you do the math, May June will take you to November December for 6 months and then if you count another 9 months, it's late August to late September somewhere in there. So many will tell you it's probably likely that Christ was born in late August to late September somewhere in there you say is that when he was born for sure and the answer is we don't know Because the dating of when they would do their temple assignments All that got messed up when they were exiled in babylon before Jesus' birth in other words, we don't know when jesus was born So, what do we do with this? I want to tell you This is incredibly good news for all of us that we don't know Are you ready to know why? and why I'm so glad we celebrate on December 25th. I want to give you a couple things. First, and this one's not on your handout or on the screen, so let me just tell you. The first thing is simply this. The main things of Scripture are the plain things of Scripture. God does not hide or keep secret the things that are most important for your salvation and mine. Which means, if it's not that important for us to know when Christ was born, if it's not a salvation issue, then I'm not going to make it one for anyone else. Aren't you glad to know that we have freedom to celebrate whenever, wherever, however, because the Bible doesn't tell us when we should or when we can't. Isn't that good news? Everyone say yes. There's freedom in Christ. Here's your first point. But let me give you the two that are on your handouts. Number two, celebrating Jesus and remembering him on this particular day reminds us, number one, that God, next slide, doesn't discard broken things. God restores them. Now I know you're going, how in the world is it show us that? Hang with me here. It used to be centuries ago that on December 25th, Hundreds of thousands of pagans worshipped a false god named Saturn who could not save them from their sins or even guarantee them a good harvest. But God comes on the scene and He restores that day not to celebrate a false god, but now billions of people celebrate the one true living God. It used to be once upon a time that people would celebrate this God named Saturn by greeting one another in Saturn's name. But now we greet one another by saying, Merry Christmas, Christ the Messiah. It used to be that people before Jesus' birth on December 25th, it was just a day of pagan idolatry. But now it is a day of celebrating the one true risen God. And once, December 25th was a day where people hoped Spring would return. That's why they celebrated. That's why they honored the God, hoping that this God would bring life. But today, almost 2,000 years later, we do not celebrate... A false God that we beg and hope and wish could save us. We celebrate the risen Savior who did not simply bring us life now, but killed death, defeated Satan, defeated sin, and is now the one who gives us life. What am I trying to tell you? This date is a reminder that God does not destroy and erase the brokenness. He is the God who restores the brokenness. And here's why that's good news. You and I are broken apart from Jesus Christ. And if he simply destroyed that which was broken, guess who he would have to destroy as well? But he doesn't. He is the God who takes broken things and he brings about a restoration, transforming them into something beautiful and good once That thing which was pagan, broken, and lost through the power of Jesus Christ, He makes holy and sacred and good. You, my friend, have been taken from this and brought to life in Christ Jesus. This is the beauty of what we remember at this time. And in fact, one day Jesus entered the synagogue. That would have been the Jewish church. And He was handed an Old Testament passage to read. And it was this prophecy about himself in Isaiah chapter 61. And Jesus read these words, and if you have them before you, look with me now at verses 1, 2, and 3. These are the words that Jesus read of himself The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. To who? To the poor. To those who are here, I bring good news. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness from the prisoner, to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. Now notice this. This is the God, He says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. What am I trying to show you here this morning? When we look at what was once a pagan holiday, now is the day we proclaim the risen Savior, the God who came, the God who was born, the God who loves. It is a reminder to each of us that we don't worship the broken. We are no longer stuck in the broken. But this is the same God who brings restoration to all who were far off. He restores broken things. He does not discard them. Is that good news to anyone here this morning? Next Sunday morning when you wake up, and if you're like us and you still have little kids at home and they're just chomping at the bit to look at gifts, is it possible to take a moment? And to say, 2,000 years ago, before Jesus came, pagans worshipped a pagan god, but because Jesus came, he restored that day. And now today, we celebrate God. Just as he took something that was broken and he restored it, and now I get to celebrate him every day. It is a day to remember that he restores broken things. And number three, the final point. Are you ready? Say yes. All right, I don't believe you, so this is going to take another two or three hours. Are you sure? Say yes. All right, here we go. Point number three, December 25th, reminds us of Jesus' second advent. That word advent, we've talked about this before and we've lit candles to remind us of it. The word advent comes from the Latin word adventus. Everyone say adventus. It just means the coming or the arrival of a noteworthy person. And throughout church history, this season was not simply a season of reflecting on when Christ came as a baby. It is also a season of preparation and anticipation, anticipation for when he comes as a king. So there are two advents that we celebrate this time of year. His first and his second. And I know for some it's still like, yeah, but we don't know when he was born. Is it, is it okay to celebrate because we don't know when he was born? Let me say something to some of you if you struggle with that or heard that growing up. And I just want to sort of love on you a bit here. You need to realize that Christ himself celebrated man-made tradition seasons. The season of Hanukkah that we looked at last Sunday night, that was man-made, and yet Christ celebrated it. It is okay to have special days that you celebrate that God did not write down in the Bible. Otherwise, we wouldn't have things like Thanksgiving or Easter. We wouldn't have Valentine's Day. We wouldn't have some of these other special days. So it is okay, but let me give you one more thing. And here's the way I've been thinking a lot about it is, are you familiar with the Lost Boys of Sudan Have you you heard of that group? Back in the 1980s, there was the beginning of a civil war that lasted about a decade. Just a horrific, horrific um, purge of people in Sudan. The consequence was that over 20,000 little boys and little girls were orphaned or separated from their parents. And there was a group of these 20,000 young men in particular that became known as the Lost Boys of Sudan to find refuge. They traveled, and as you can see, just little infants being carried by other little boys, 8, 9, 10 years old, for over 1,000 miles by foot, often single file in very rough terrain, getting to Ethiopia or Kenya just to find a place for food, for water, for safety. The consequence, though, of being separated from their parents or losing their parents altogether is that most of these boys had no record or memory of when they were born or their birthday. There was one boy by the name of Paul. This is Paul right here. I'm not even going to try to say his last name because I'll mess it up. He was one of those little boys who traveled by foot trying to find a home. My wife got to meet him, as did many others, at Lipscomb University because by God's providence, he made it to safety in Africa and then, through the, benefit, the benefactors that he met there, made it to the States and finally to Lipscomb. He came as my wife was leaving Lipscomb. And as Paul became good friends with a lot of the students there, they realized he has no idea when his birthday is. But we love Paul and we know Paul was born so we're going to pick a day to celebrate that Paul was born. Because Paul was born and Paul matters. He's important enough to remember. And so they picked a day. And they said, we don't know the exact day, but we know you are born and so we're going to celebrate you. Friends, I just need to say this to you. We may not know the day that Christ was born, but he was born. And he is important enough to remember that he was born. Amen? Amen. And so it is okay to celebrate, to say, we're going to celebrate you, Jesus, because you were born and you're worthy of our remembrance. But it's not just that we remember that he was born, we remember that he will come again. He didn't just come, Advent, but he will come once again. And here's why I love the fact that we don't even know when he was born and how this helps us. It's actually what Jesus says in Matthew. Notice what Jesus says about his second return. He says, see? The Son of Man, that's what he called himself. See, the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. So he's saying, this is what it's going to be like when I come back. But then he tells him something. But about that day or hour, when I come back, he's saying, but about that day or hour, no one knows, but only the Father. See, here's what I love about this. We don't know exactly when Jesus was born, but we know that he was born. And he's important enough to remember Friends, we don't know when Jesus will come again, the second advent. But we know that he keeps his promises. So we know he will come again. And he is important enough to remember that. Isn't it amazing we can remember his birth, but many of us forget and do not live as though he will come again. We can remember that he was born in a lowly stable, but we forget that he's coming as the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And December 25th is a moment to say, yes, he came, but amen and praise God, he is coming again. This is what we get to celebrate. And it is a reminder that we don't know when he was born, we don't know when he'll return, but he will return. And so the call of all of us, just as you are preparing for Christmas Day, is to prepare for his second advent. Are you ready? See, we can ask, Do you have all the gifts you need for Christmas Day? And that's a good question. We can say, Did you invite all the relatives who need to come over for Christmas Day? And that's an important question. But a far more important question is Are you ready for His second advent? Because when He appears, friend, it won't be in a manger, He will come in the clouds. And the angels before him, Scripture says that the dead will actually rise to meet him in the sky. The trumpet will sound, and we will be called home. Christmas morning is a reminder that it is not just in the cradle that he came, but in the clouds he will come again. Are you ready for that day is the question. And so we celebrate. And so we celebrate. And so this, the last Sunday before Christmas, are you ready to celebrate?